everyone, welcome to Knox Bedtime Stories, the bedtime story podcast for grown-ups. I'm your friend Joey, here with another episode to help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep. I'd like to tell you I've gotten my sleep cycle straight, but I haven't. In fact, I fell asleep twice editing this episode and thought it was morning, only to find it's two hours later. So, it's 11pm. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to the Knox Bedtime Stories family. From here on out, nothing exists except you, me, this beautiful fireplace, and the bed floor or couch you're sleeping on. Then, I have a popular story from the Norse, which for some reason was a very difficult read and an even more difficult edit. And I have new sleep-inducing music this week I hope you like. I got no new patrons this week, which made me cry. Apparently, some of you are sadistic and like to see grown men cry in their ramen noodle soup. It was a two-course meal, one ramen noodles and two tears. So please, 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 we need more Patreon patrons. Ask yourself this question. What is a good night's sleep worth to you? Does the podcast help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep? Once a month, once a week, five days a week? If it does, please consider becoming a patron for as little as $2 a month. That's basically the price of a cheap cup of coffee a month. There are various rewards for you, including bonus content. These episodes can take me in excess of 20 hours to put together. And I have my big podcast bills coming up on September 25th. So patrons are needed now more than ever. I do a lot to make sure these are as comforting as possible for all of you. And this is my only income. So if you would like to become a patron, please go to KnoxBedtimeStories.com and click the Join Patreon button or patreon.com forward slash Knox Bedtime Stories. I know a lot of you are struggling as well, so your $2, $5, $10, $20 is greatly appreciated and helps a lot of people get to sleep with some really stupid content and some good stories. For instance, Taco Bell is testing a monthly subscription service. Yesterday, 7 a.m. alerts. Taco Bell is testing a 30-day subscription service in which subscribers pay $5 to $10 a month for a taco lover's pass that allows them one taco a day. What do you think? Finally, a program to help me cut down on the amount of Taco Bell I eat every day. Kato Casenberry Moxie Tester Sadly, 
I think I'd still need to supplement my diet with additional food. Justin Uller, applause coach. Great way to attract people who've heard of Taco Bell, but aren't quite sure what it's all about. Glenda D'Annunzio, chair stacker. Yes, that's exactly a news story. Okay, now let's get into bed. Say to yourself, my bedroom is a place of peace and relaxation. When I enter this room and crawl into bed at night, today's thoughts naturally begin to soften. My burden lightens and sleep is coming. Let's get to tonight's story, Soria Moria Castle, set to new sleep-inducing music and this beautiful fireplace. If you're not already laying down, please do so in whatever way is comfortable. And let's begin. Once on a time, there was a poor couple who had a son whose name was Halvor. Ever since he was a little boy, he would turn his hand to nothing, but just sat there and groped about in the ashes. His father and mother often put him out to learn this trade or that, but Halvor could stay nowhere for when he had been there a day or two. He ran away from his master and never stopped till he was sitting again in the ingle, poking about in the cinders. Well, one day, a skipper came and asked Halvor if he hadn't a mind to be with him and go to sea and see strange lands. Yes, Halvor would like that very much, so he wasn't long in getting himself ready. How long they sailed, I'm sure I can't tell, but the end of it was, they fell into a great storm, and when it was blown over, and it got still again, they couldn't tell where they were, for they had been driven away to a strange coast, which none of them knew anything about. Well, as there was no wind at all, they stayed laying windbound there, and Halvor asked the skipper's leave to go on shore and look about him. He would sooner go, he said, than lie there and sleep. Do you think now you're fit to show yourself before folk, said the skipper? Why, you've no clothes but those rags you stand in. But Halvor stuck to his own, and so at last, he got leave, but he was to be sure and come back as soon as ever it began to blow. So off he went and found a lovely land. Wherever he came, there were fine large flat cornfields and rich meads, but he couldn't catch a glimpse of a living soul. Well, it began to blow, but Halvor thought hadn't been enough yet. Well, it began to blow, 
But Halvor thought he hadn't seen enough yet and wanted to walk a little farther just to see if he couldn't meet any folk. So after a while he came to a broad road, so smooth and even, you might easily roll an egg along it. Halvor followed this, and when evening drew on, he saw a great castle ever so far off, from which the sunbeam shone. So, as he had now walked the whole day, and hadn't taken a bit to eat with him. He was as hungry as a hunter, but still the nearer he came to the castle, the more afraid he got. In the castle kitchen, a great fire was blazing, and Halvor went into it, but such a kitchen he had never seen in all his born days. It was so grand and fine, it was so grand and fine. There were vessels of silver and vessels of gold, but still never a living soul. So when Halvor had stood there a while, and no one came out, he went and opened a door, and there inside a princess, who span upon a spinning wheel. Nay, nay now, she called out, Dare Christian folk come hither? But now you'd best be off about your business if you don't want the troll to gobble you up. For here lies a troll with three heads. All one to me, said the lad. I'd be just as glad to hear he had four heads beside. I'd like to see what kind of fellow he is. As for going, I won't go at all. I've done no harm, but meat you must get me, for I'm almost starved to death. When Halvor had eaten his fill, the princess told him to try if he could brandish the sword that hung against the wall. No, he couldn't brandish it. He couldn't even lift it up. Oh, said the princess, now you must go and take a pull at that flask that hangs by its side. That's what the troll does every time he goes out to use the sword. So Halvor took a pull, and in the twinkling of an eye, he could brandish the sword like nothing. And now he thought it high time the troll came, and lo, just then, up came the troll puffing and blowing. Halvor jumped behind the door. Who to two, said the troll. Who to two, said the troll, as he put his head in the door. What a smell of Christian man's blood. I said, Halvor, you'll soon know that to your cost and with that he hewed off all his heads. Now the princess was so glad that she was free. She both danced and sang, but then, all at once, she called her sisters to mind, and so she said, 
Would my sisters were free too. Where are they? asked Halvor. Well, she told him all about it. One was taken away by a troll to his castle which lay 50 miles off and the other by another troll to his castle which was 50 miles further still. But now, she said, you must first help me to get this ugly carcass out of the house. Yes, Halvor was so strong. He swept everything away and made it all clean and tidy in no time. So they had a good and happy time of it. And next morning he set off at peep of gray dawn. He could take no rest by the way, but ran and walked the whole day. When he first saw the castle, he got a little afraid. It was far grander than the first, but here too, there wasn't a living soul to be seen. So Halvor went into the kitchen and didn't stop there either, but went straight further on into the house. Nay, nay, called out the princess. Dare Christian folk come hither. I don't know, I'm sure, how long it is since I came here, but in all that time I haven't seen a Christian man. Twere best you saw how to get away as fast as you came, for here lives a troll who has six heads. I shan't go, said Halvor, if he has six heads besides. He'll take you up and swallow you down alive, said the princess. But it was no good. Halvor wouldn't go. He wasn't at all afraid of the troll. But meat and drink he must have, for he was half starved after his long journey. Well, he got as much as that as he wished. But then the princess wanted him to be off again. No, said Halvor, I won't go. I've done no harm, and I've nothing to be afraid of. He won't stay to ask that, said the princess, for he'll take you without law or leave. But as you go, just try, if you can, brandish that sword yonder, which the troll wields in war. He couldn't brandish it, and then the princess said he must take a pull at the flask, which hung by its side, and when he had done that, he could brandish it. Just then, back came the troll, and he was both stout and big, so that he had to go sideways to get through the door. The troll got his first head in. He called out Huda too. What a smell of Christian man's blood. But that very moment Halvor hewed off his first head. And so on. All the rest as they popped in. The princess was overjoyed. But just then. She came to think of her sisters. 
and wished out loud they were free. Havor thought that might easily be done, and wanted to be off at once. But first, he had to help the princess to get the troll's carcass out of the way, and so he could only set out the next morning. It was a long way to the castle, and he had to walk fast and run hard to reach it in time. But about nightfall, he saw the castle, which was far finer and grander than either of the others. This time, he wasn't the least afraid, but walked straight through the kitchen and into the castle. There sat a princess who was so pretty, there was no end to her loveliness. She too, like the others, told him there hadn't been Christian folk there ever since she came thither and bade him to go away again, else the troll would swallow him alive. And do you know, she said, he has nine heads. Aye, aye, said Halvor. If he had nine other heads and nine heads still, I won't go away. And so he stood fast before the stove. The princess kept on begging him so prettily to go away, lest the troll should gobble him up. But Halvor said, Let him come as he likes. So she gave him the troll's sword and bade him take a pull at the flask that he might be able to brandish and wield it. Just then, back came the troll puffing and blowing and tearing along. He was far stouter and bigger than the other two and he too had to go on one side to get through the door. So when he got his first head in, he said, as the others had said, Huda too, what a smell of a Christian man's blood. That very moment Halvor hewed off the first head, and then all the rest. But the last was the toughest of them all, and it was the hardest bit of work Halvor had to do to get it hewn off, although he knew very well he had the strength enough to do it. So all the princesses came together to that castle, which was called Soria Moria Castle, and they were glad and happy, as they had never been in all their lives before, and they were all fond of Halvor, and Halvor of them, and he might choose the one he liked best for his bride, but the youngest was fondest of him of all the three. But there after a while, Halvor went about and was so strange and dull and silent. The princesses asked him what he lacked, and if he didn't like to live with them any longer. Yet he did, for they had enough and to spare, and he was well off in every way. But still somehow or other, 
He did so long to go home, for his father and mother were alive, and them he had such a great wish to see. Well, they thought that might be done easily enough. You shall go thither and come back hither, safe and unscathed, if you will only follow our advice, said the princess. Yes, he'd be sure to mind all they said. So they dressed him up till he was as grand as a king's son, and then set a ring on his finger, and that was such a ring he could wish himself thither and hither with it, but they told him to be sure not to take it off, and not to name their names, for there would be the end of his bravery, and then he'd never seen them before. If I only stood at home, I'd be glad, said Halvor, and it was done as he had wished. Then stood Halvor at his father's cottage door before he knew a word about it. Now it was about dusk at even, and so when they saw such a grand stately lord walk in, the only couple got so afraid they began to bow and scrape. Then Halvor asked if he couldn't stay there and have a lodging there that night. No, that he couldn't. We can't do it at all, they said, for we haven't this thing or that thing which such a lord is used to have. Twere best your lordship went up to the farm, no long way off, for you can see the chimneys, and there they have lots of everything. Halvor wouldn't hear of it. He wanted to stop, but the old couple stuck to their own, that he had better go to the farmers. There, he would get both meat and drink. As for them, they hadn't even a chair to offer him to sit down on. No, said Halvor, I won't go up there till tomorrow early. But let the just stay here tonight. Worst come to worst, I can sit in the chimney corner. Well, they couldn't say anything against that. So Halvor sat down by the angle and began to poke about in the ashes, just as he used to do when he lay at home in old days and stretched his lazy bones. Well, they chattered and talked about many things, and they told Halvor about this thing and that, and so he asked them if they had ne never had any children. Yes, yes, they had once a lad whose name was Halvor, but they didn't know whither he had wandered. They couldn't even tell whether he was dead or alive. Couldn't it be me now, said Halvor? Let me see. I could tell him well enough, said the old wife and rose up. Our Halvor was so lazy and dull. 
He never did a thing, and besides, he was so ragged that one tatter took hold of the next tatter on him. No, there never was the making of such a fine fellow in him as you are, master. A little while after, the old wife went to the hearth to poke up the fire, and when the blaze fell on Halvor's face, just as when he was at home, of old poking about in the ashes, she knew him at once. Ah, but it is you after all, Halvor, she cried. And then, there was such joy for the old couple, there was no end to it, and he was forced to tell how he had fared, and the old dame was so fond and proud of him, nothing would do but he must go up at once to the farmers and show himself to the lassies who had always looked down on him, and off she went first and Halvor followed after. So when she got up there, so when she got up there, she told them all how her Halvor had come home again, and they should only just see how grand he was, for, said she, he looks like nothing but a king's son. All very fine, said the lassies, and tossed up their heads. We'll be bound... He's just the same beggarly ragged boy he always was. Just then in walked Halvor, and the lassies were also taken aback. They forgot their sarks in the ingle, where they were sitting darning their clothes and ran out in their smocks. Well, when they were got back again, they were so shamefaced they scarce dared look at Halvor, toward whom they had always been proud and haughty. Aye, aye, said Halvor, you always thought yourself so pretty and neat. No one could come near you. But now you should just see the eldest princess I have set free. Against her, you look like milkmaids, and the midmost is prettier still, but the youngest, who is my sweetheart, she's fairer than both the sun and moon. Would to heaven she were only here, said Halvor. Then you'd see, you would see. He had scarce uttered these words before they stood. But then he felt so sorry, for now what they, s they had said came into his mind. Up at the farm there was a great feast, got ready for the princesses, and much was made of them, but they wouldn't stop there. No, we want to go down to your father and mother. They said to Halvor, and so we'll go and now and look about us. So he went down with them, and they came to a great lake just outside the farm. 
Close by the water was such a lovely green bank. Here the princesses said they would sit and rest a while. They thought it so sweet to sit down and look over the water. So they sat down there and when they had sat a while, the youngest princess said, I may as well comb your hair, little Halvor. Yes, Halvor laid his head on her lap, and so she combed his bonny locks, and it wasn't long before Halvor fell asleep. Then she took the ring from his finger and put another in its stead, and so she said, Now hold me all together, and now would we all in Soria Moria Castle. So when Halvor woke up, he could very well tell that he had lost the princesses, and began to weep and wail, and he was so downcast, they couldn't comfort him at all. In spite of all his father and mother said, he wouldn't stop there, but took farewell of them, and said he was safe not to see them again, for if he couldn't find the princesses again, he thought it not worthwhile to live. Well, he had still three hundred dollars left, so he put them into his pocket and set out on his way. So when he walked a while, he met a man with a tidy horse, and he wanted to buy it, and began to chaffer with the man. I said the man, to tell the truth, I never thought of selling him, but if we could strike a bargain, perhaps. What do you want for him? asked Halvor. I didn't give much for him, nor is he worth much. He's a brave horse to ride, but he can't draw at all. Still, he's strong enough to carry your knapsack and you too. Turn and turn about, said the man. At last they agreed on the price, and Halvor laid the knapsack on him. And so he walked a bit and rode a bit, turn and turn about. At night, he came to a green plain where stood a great tree, at the roots of which he sat down. There he let the horse loose, but he didn't lie down to sleep, but opened his knapsack and took a meal. At peep of day, off he set again, for he could take no rest. So he rode and walked and walked and rode, and the whole day through the wide wood, where there were so many green spots and glades that shone so bright and lovely between the trees. He didn't know at all where he was or whither he was going, but he gave himself more time to rest than when his horse cropped a bit of grass, and he took a snack out of his knapsack 
and they came to one of those green glades. So he went on walking and riding by turns, and as for the wood, there seemed to be no end to it. But at dusk the next day, he saw a light gleaming away through the trees. Would there were folk here away, thought Halvor, that I might warm myself a bit and get a morsel to keep body and soul together. When he got up to it, he saw the light came from a wretched little hut, and though the window he saw an old couple inside, they were as gray-headed as a pair of doves, and the old wife had such a nose. Why, it was so long she used it for a poker to stir the fire as she sat in the ingle. Good evening, said Halvor. Good evening, said the old wife. But what errand can you have in coming hither? She went on, for no Christian folk have been here these three hundred years and more. Well, Halvor told her all about himself and how he wanted to get to Soria Moria Castle and asked if she knew the way thither. No, said the old wife, that I don't, but I see now, here comes the moon, I'll ask her. She'll know all about it, for doesn't she shine on everything? So when the moon stood clear and bright over the treetops, the old wife went out. Thou moon, thou moon, she screamed. Canst thou tell me the way to Soria Moria Castle? No, said the moon, that I can't. For the last time I shone, there a cloud stood before me. Wait a bit still, said the old wife to Halvor. By and by, comes the west wind. He's sure to know it, for he puffs and blows round every corner. Nay, nay, said the old wife, when she went out again. You don't mean to say, you've got a horse too. Just turn the poor beastie loose in our tune, and don't let him stand there and starve to death at the door. Then she ran on. But won't you swap him away to me? We've got an old pair of boots here, which you can take 20 miles at each stride. Those you shall have for your horse. And so you'll get all the sooner to Soria Moria Castle. That Halvor was willing to do at once. And the old wife was so glad at having the horse, she was ready to dance and skip for joy. For now, she said, I shall be able to ride to church. I too think of that. As for Halvor, he had no rest and wanted to be off at once. 
but the old wife said there was no hurry. Lie down on the bench with you and sleep a bit, for we've no bed to offer, and I'll watch and wake you when the west wind comes. So after a while, up came the west wind roaring and howling, along till the walls creaked and groaned again. Out ran the old wife. Thou west wind, thou west wind, canst thou tell the way to Soria Moria Castle? Here's one who wants to get thither. Yes, I know it very well, said the west wind, and now I'm just off thither to dry clothes for the wedding that's to be. If he's swift of foot, he can go along with me. Out ran Halvor. You'll have to stretch your legs if you mean to keep up, said the west wind. So off he set over the field and hedge, and hill and fell, and Halvor had hard work to keep up. Well, said the west wind, now I've no time to stay with you any longer, for I've got to go away yonder and tear down a strip of spruce wood first before I go to the bleaching ground to dry the clothes. But if you go alongside the hill, you'll come to a lot of lassies standing washing clothes, and then you're not far to go to Soria Moria Castle. In a little while, Halvor came upon the lassies, who stood washing, and they asked if he had seen anything of the west wind, who was to come and dry the clothes for the wedding. Aye, aye, that I have, said Halvor. He's only going to tear a strip of spruce wood. It'll not be long before he's here. And when he asked them the way to Soria Moria Castle, so put him into the right way. And when he got to the castle, it was full of folk and horses, so full it made one giddy to look at them. But Halvor was so ragged and torn from having followed the west wind through brush and briar and bog, that he kept on one side and wouldn't show himself till the last day when the bridal feast was to be. So when all as was then right and fitting were to drink the bride and bridegroom's health and wish them luck, and when the cupbearers was to drink them all again, both knights and squires Last of all, he came in, turned to Halvor. He drank their health, but let the ring which the princess had put upon his finger as he lay by the lake fall into the glass and bade the cupbearers go and greet the bride and hand her the glass. Then up rose the princess from the board at once. Who is most worthy to have one of us? 
she said, He that has set us free, or he that here sits by me as a bridegroom. While they all said there would be but one voice, and will as to that, and when Halvor heard that he wasn't long in throwing off his beggar's rags and arrays himself as bridegroom, Aye, aye, here is the right one after all, said the youngest princess, as soon as she saw him, and so she tossed the other one out of the window and held her wedding with Halvor. Thank you all for listening, and if you enjoyed Knox Bedtime Stories, please become a Patreon patron. For as little as $2 a month, you can keep Knox Bedtime Stories, helping tens of thousands of people around the world get a good night's sleep, as well as get various rewards such as tears, extra episodes, books, your name on our webpage, and more to come. You can sign up at KnoxBedtimeStories.com and click on the Patreon link or Patreon.com forward slash stories. Become a part of a great community. I wish you all a good night's sleep and a happy peaceful life. May the best of your days be the worst of your tomorrows. Good night.